If you will, please stand with me as I read to us Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. Like last week, after I read these verses, I'm going to say thanks, or I'm not going to say that. I'm going I'm to ask you to say, let's start over. I'm going to read these words, and then I'm going to I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And then if you agree with me, you can say out loud from where you sit, thanks be to God. Uh, because we do believe in this church that your active participation in the preaching of God's word is not a discouragement or a distraction. It's the opposite. Galatians 6, 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I admit, when I started studying uh, this passage, verse 11 caught my attention just immediately. I mean, I'll, I'll admit that um, I, I started worrying about Little Red Riding Hood when I read verse 11, see what large letters I write with. Um, of course, that's not what Paul is is referring to. Um, but but I would also I would also say that I'm not sure that I buy the common inter- a common interpretation at least of verse 11. That Paul says what he says there just because he's blind as a bat. You know, like he's a preschooler who's just now learning to write. He says, look at what large letters I can write. You know, I don't think he's doing that because he can't see and so he has to write large. The way I understand verse 11 is that Paul is bringing to a close maybe his most emotional letter, a very significant letter, and he's more like a, a, a texting teenager 
who is capping all of his letters, putting a bunch of exclamation points, especially around verses 12 through 16. These are the verses Paul is really focused on in this passage, and they're the, they're, therefore the, the verses we're especially going to focus on this morning. And we have to say, Paul's not like a teenage girl. Sorry, teenage girls. Um, he, he's not just LOLing every little thing. He's raising his voice. He's pressing down hard on his pen about boasting. You see that in verse 13? They, the people who teach differently than him, want to boast about something. And then in verse 14, the, the other place where the key word is, is found, he, Paul, boasts about something else. And so I think it's appropriate for us to ask this question. What are you boasting about? What, what do you brag about? What do you take pride in? Paul's just laying out, there's really just two options here. And Paul gives his answer in verse 14. I don't, I don't know about anyone else, but only the cross can do it for me. Only the cross can excite me. Only the cross is what I will take pride in. And then he would put it to us. What are you boasting about? Well, know this. Only the cross can do it for you. Only the cross should be the, the thing that does it for you. That that thrills you, that excites you. And if you're a Christian, it's true of you. The sermon in a sentence is only the cross can do it for you. But I want to walk through the passage in two parts. The first one is the answer that the false teachers give to this question. What are you boasting about this first point in verses 12 and 13 is an option that you can boast in as well. And that is the performance of people. The performance of people is what a lot of people boast in. And it's what the false teachers are boasting about in this church of Galatia. And it's what you should not boast about. They say, to err is human. To make an error, to mess up, is what it means to be human. No, it's not. I get what they say. they're saying. Every human messes up. Yes. But that's not what it means to be human. 
not when God made humans, to image is human. To image God is human. Let me, let me just help you to understand why you shouldn't boast in the performance of you and your accomplishments and what you're able to do or how you've helped people by helping you understand what it means to be made in the image of God. That's what it means to be human. Two things. Number one, to image God is to be like God, to be a mirror of God. And God is perfectly righteous. He is perfect. He's never done a single thing wrong, ever. To image God is to be perfectly righteous. Number two, to image God means to depend on God. To depend on God for who we should be and how we should live. We're to be a mirror, not of whatever we like, but of Him. Because we're to like Him most. So let me, let me just let you understand in this book that's, a, that's tell, telling us how it is that anyone can be accepted by God. There, you have to have two things, especially. For God to accept any human, you have to be perfect in righteousness. And secondly, you have to be totally dependent upon God. It won't do. It just won't do. Before God. To do some of what God wants you to do. No, you have to be perfect. In your obedience. And it won't do. To do everything that God tells you to do. Without depending on him in order to do it. Perfect always. Dependent totally. Everything for him. Everything because of him. Everything by the strength that he provides. With that background, can you consider just how wrong it was that the people were coming, the false teachers were coming to Christians who had trusted in Christ alone and they're saying you must be circumcised? What I mean is, they were boasting in their performance in this way. They were thinking that when I do this act of circumcision, it sets me apart. I belong to God just by me doing it. And so they were boasting in the performance of people. And Paul comes in in verses 12 and 13 and he gives you, you, you want to know what the real reasons are that they're teaching this? Two things. Number one, look at verse 12. The reason they're saying you have to be circumcised is so that they can avoid persecution. Verse 12, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only, this is the reason, in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. They want to make a good showing. 
What are you boasting about? Well, for them, themselves. They want to look good. And let me just tell you, even though you may, everyone here is tempted to do that. Everyone here is tempted to do that. But if you do that, you might as well just throw this in the garbage. Because in that book, God says this about you and me. You, in your flesh, by yourself, you have refused to depend on God and you have not obeyed God. In the Bible, God tells us we are not acceptable to him. What are you boasting about? What are you? Are you boasting about you? Not if you believe the Bible. But let me, what I'm saying to you now is not a good way to make friends and influence people. If you believe what I'm saying and you start telling other people what I'm saying, that God does not find them acceptable or you acceptable because you've not depended on him totally and you've not obeyed him perfectly. Well, persecution comes to those who say that. Why is that? Because the world will only put up with a God And you better only talk about a God who makes people the best. Because the world boasts in itself. And therefore, the world is fine with churches who boast about wins. The world will not accept and will persecute any suggestion that God will not accept us. Because the world is proud. And the world did not accept Paul. That's why he says down in verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me any trouble. He wants to stop being bothered by people who would accuse him. The reason is because he bears in his body the marks of Jesus. You can see on his own body that he's been persecuted. He's been faithful to preach Christ. There's a reason why he's been suffering. It's because he's been faithful to preach Christ and not boast in himself. Well, the world hates that and persecutes people like that. They did this. The religious people in the world did this to Jesus. They cried out, crucify him. For claiming that he's perfect, for claiming he's the son of God, for claiming he's the savior, crucify him and they will cry. Persecute her. Persecute him. If you boast, if you boast, if your boast is about how you're not good enough. They will come after you. If you boast 
about how God loves you in spite of that? By killing his own son, if that's your boast, if you say that's what I need in order to be accepted by him, because all that I did for him was not enough for him. If you say that, if that's your boast, and then you say, and only the cross will do it for you, well, they'll come after you. And so the first reason why they would force people to be circumcised is because they don't want to be persecuted. They want to be accepted by a people who believe that if you obey certain things, you can be accepted by God. They don't want to deal with their persecution. So they say, well, make sure you're circumcised. But there's a second reason, verse 13, why they insist on obeying certain commands in order to be accepted by God. And that is to build themselves up. To build themselves up. We saw that in wanting to make a good showing. But look, look also in verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not keep the, keep the law. They're not perfectly righteous on their own. But they desire that you, uh, to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. They want to boast about that win. They want to get the credit for leading other people to do something for God. That's why they do it. I was recently talking to a group of children who I know well. And that we were talking about a holiday that was coming soon and and how we're going to celebrate that holiday and particularly the person who is it's focused upon. And one of my children started crying. And everyone realized all this talk is now taking a turn here. We got to focus on this child who's crying. I said, so what, what's what's wrong? Do you not like our ideas on how we should celebrate? And they said, no, I'm sad it's not my birthday. There is a tractor beam inside the heart of every single human. Pulling us to pride of self. And I want to tell you. Even if we're talking about a God singing to a God who you don't know. That you don't really love more than anything. I want you to know something that the this one we sing about and this one we're worshiping sees you. He knows everything you've thought. Why you've done what you've done. He only accepts perfection. He will not accept you. The only difference between us and you is that we have already come to an understanding. I can't do it. But listen to me. The cross can. The cross can do it. And the cross can do it for you. 
I'm convinced something like this conversation between the three members of the Godhead must have happened in eternity before they made anything. There must have been something like looking at one another and say, you know, you want to know what can do what they cannot do. You know, you know, they cannot please me perfectly. They will not depend on me totally. But you know what can do what they cannot do a cross. And so they decided to write people's names, names of people in this room in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And one day, the Son of God in history left heaven and came to this world and lived a full life of righteousness where he was perfectly righteous and totally dependent upon God. And he carried this out. He went to a cross for people, for sinners. Only a cross can do it for you because on the cross, that perfectly righteous man who had totally depended on God was still being perfectly righteous and depending upon God and trusting in God that God wanted him to die on the cross for sinners. And then when he died in faith in God, depending on him to raise him from the dead, God did raise him from the dead because he can't stay dead because he's perfectly righteous and totally dependent. And now everyone who looks to him, God looks on him and counts us free. I'm here to tell you, God is holy, holy, holy. And so his justice for our sins, the death we deserve has to be paid for by someone. Only the cross can do it for you. He is good and gracious. And so if you turn to him in faith, he will save you. Will you do that now? Will you do that now? If you're here and you are a Christian. Never boast about your performance. Never. 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 Not ever. Boast about you at all. Like put it to death. Let that be what died on the cross. Is your pull toward thinking you're anything acceptable. Let it die. Because every hint of it tends in one direction. And that direction cancels the cross. It cancels the cross. So chapter 5 verse 2 said, if anyone accepts circumcision, if, if you accept even the hint that you can do something that will make you acceptable before God, that you can cut off part of your skin and then be cut apart for God. If you accept any of that, the cross is gone for you. You see, Paul's talking to people who say they want Christ and deny him and lose him. If they continue on in this boasting. And I, I want to tell you that what is not right for your salvation is also not right for anyone at any time who is saved. 
What are you boasting about? The cross always, myself never. May that be our answer. Let me, let me just make a prediction. Very soon, you may find yourself in a situation where you're thinking, you know what's needed right now? It's a little bit more about me. I don't think the way I'm being represented right here is, is accurate. Someone's got to do something. For some of us, that's going to happen around lunchtime. Let me encourage you. The next time someone forgets to mention your effort. The next time anyone suggests that you have fallen short. The next time someone credits someone else. This happened to me in the last couple of weeks. Someone credits someone else for something I did. I did not prefer it. The next time someone doesn't slight you, but is actually calling attention to you. Next time someone calls attention to your accomplishments. Say in your heart, only the cross can do it for me. Only the cross can do it. I mean, maybe don't scream it out loud like a nut job, but but say it in your heart as loudly as possible and as much as you can. Only the cross can do it for me. Only the cross can do it for me. Only the cross. Only the cross. Amen. What are you boasting about? What are you boasting about? The performance of yourself or other people. Or verses 14 through 16, the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ. Paul says in verse 14, that's his answer. But in verse 16, Look in verse 16. He says, this is a rule that every Christian walks by. Everyone who would be called the Israel of God, everyone who receives peace and mercy from God, everyone who is God's special people, they, you, you can know them because they live by this rule. They walk by this rule. And that is boasting in the cross of Christ alone. So in verses 14 and 15, the, the apostle says, this is my one boast, my only boast. Look, at, look again in verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to the world through the cross of Christ. Only the cross can do it for you. Because the cross crucifies you to the world and the world to you. Only the cross is what I want to boast in. It's the only thing that thrills me. It's the only thing that does it for me, really. Because it's the cross that crucifies me from the world, Paul says. The cross is not just Killed my savior for me. It has killed me from this world that is perishing. It is what decisively separates me from the world that is lost. From the world that is dark. From the world that is deceived. It's only the cross that can do that for me. So that's my boast. Only the cross can 
Crucify me from the world that is following a hateful prince of darkness. Only the cross has the power and my faith in the one who died on the cross. Something happens to to me where it is crucified me from the world that relies on self. From the world that glorifies the flesh, from this world that denies God. And I want to be separated from it. And only the cross can do it for me. So I'll boast in the cross. Because it crucifies not just me from the world, but the world from me. The cross for a Christian, we are, we are, by Christ standing in our place, He did it for us. So that when He died, something was happening for us. The world was being crucified from us. It's the cross that has the power to crucify our love for everything that opposes God, that severs our relationship with what is dying, diseased, and deceived. What are you saying when he says the, the, the cross uh, crucifies us to the world and the world to us? What he's saying is this, this cross that was scandalous. It's where the worst criminals died. What he's saying there is the world should be scandalously offensive to you if you're a Christian. Everything that's opposed to God should be a scandal to you. And what he's saying that if you're a Christian is that you will be scandalously offensive to the world. You will offend the world and those who hate God. And that is true of you if you're faithful to Christ. The only time it's not true of us is if we are boasting about the wrong thing. Paul says only the cross can do it for you. Because the cross crucifies. And we need a crucifixion. Because to be tolerant of what God hates or to cherish the things that God will destroy represented by the word world, that's spiritually deadly to us. We need a cross to separate us from those things. And he's given us a cross. Only the cross can do it for you. He says in verse 15, because all that counts is not circumcision or uncircumcision. What he's saying is, listen to me, God cannot count on your behalf. He cannot find acceptable on your behalf or mine anything you do or anything you don't do. Circumcision, uncircumcision, none of that counts before God. Only a new creation. In other words, the cross has done something else. For us that we could not do for ourselves. It has brought us into a new life. The cross dealt with the sin that ruined this creation. God spoke life into the world. 
Sin brought death into the world. And what he's saying is, Jesus, when he died, life returns and a new world is made. And now people can actually know God and follow God and love him most. And it all happened because of the cross. Could not happen apart from the cross. You want to be made new, you need a cross. And God offers a cross. And at this church, we want Paul's singular boast to be all over the songs we belt. There's a worldly way even for Christians to worship. There's a worldly way that boasts in people. That sings of me, me, me. God fights for me. Spirit of the Lord gives freedom to me. He took me. He marched me, 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 me. Paul says, God, 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 Christ, Christ, Christ. Far be it from me to boast in anything except for him. So we want even our songs to focus on him. We want Paul's singular boast to be really clear whenever we call sinners to be saved. So, in some churches, after someone prays a prayer, after someone raises a hand, you'll hear people say, I'm proud of you. Angels are proud of you. God is proud of you. Paul would say, of you? Proud of you? My salvation is not ultimately for me, Paul says. My salvation is just an opportunity to show how great God is. How great a Savior He's given. His only Son, who saved us by a cross. Verse 16. In verse 18. All these blessings come to anyone who turns from boasting in themselves to boast in Christ. Peace upon the Israel of God. And verse 18, grace, and and, and, and verse 16 as well, mercy, all the blessings that God has. Listen. Boast in Christ's cross always. And boast in your flesh never. This is a key lesson throughout the book of Galatians. If you want to know who the Israel of God is. You don't look at that piece of property. All those miles away. You don't have to get in an airplane and go visit the Holy Land. If you want to know what the Israel of God is, Paul's writing to them. The people who are accepted by God, the people who are loved by God, are not those who keep the law of Israel. He's saying it's the people who boast in God. And who are then blessed by God. 
Y'all may be familiar with the idea of a dad brag or a mom brag. Um, some do it on Facebook a lot. Some of y'all are thinking y'all do it on Facebook a lot, and it's true. And y'all may be reading our posts, rolling your eyes about all, all we're saying about all we're bragging on our kids or whatever. When you brag, if you're not talking about the person you're talking to, that they're tempted to roll their eyes. They want to talk about them, you know. Um, but I'm, I wonder, when you boast, when you brag, what are you bragging about? What is it that excites you? What is it that you won't shut up about? People wish you'd shut up about. You risk annoying them. They disagree with what what you're bragging about. What are you boasting about? Only the cross can do it for you. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would make us your Israel, your special people, your set apart people. What we're asking is for you to do that by making us people who see the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross and see our only hope and see all the hope we need. That we would be those who would put far from us every single boast except for the cross of Jesus Christ. That we would be a one-track minded people who, who are thrilled by the cross. Make it true, we pray, for your glory. Amen.